After generating over a million dollars in sales and selling one of her businesses with a single email, your host, Katherine Thompson, takes an unconventional approach to marketing and sales. So if you're ready to tap into a more powerful way to be seen, heard, and a sought-after entrepreneur in your industry without having to spend endless hours marketing your business and chasing clients, you're in the right place. Be the Sought-After Entrepreneur Podcast is here to help you ditch the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach to marketing and use your unique energy to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. When you do this, you can spend less time marketing your business and and more time doing your soul work and enjoying the richness of your life. Welcome to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your host, Katherine Thompson. Welcome back. I am super stoked that you're tuning in this week. I'm really excited to dive into today's topic. If you find it hard to own your differences in a world that promotes fitting in and following trends, then this episode is going to be of particular interest for you. You're going to want to listen in as Mark Drager shares how to lean into your differences as a way to stand out and cut through the noise. You and I both know that the interwebs is full of noise, right? There is distractions, there's ads, there's content coming out of your yin yang. And it is hard to sometimes one cut through the noise and figure out what you want to find. But it's equally hard as a business if you're in the online space to really make a name for yourself when we're taught to fit in, when following trends is something that the algorithm favors, right? Like putting a voiceover on a reel or putting a trending sound or music over your reel. Or right now, as I'm recording this, there's a trend flying around the interwebs and I'm seeing everybody jump on it And that is the Little Miss trend, right? Little Miss Sassy, Little Miss Bold, whatever it might be. If you're on Instagram, you've likely seen it. And there's nothing wrong with jumping on trends. There's nothing wrong with having a little fun with it. But when you've got a unique message and a unique brand, when you actually jump on those trends, you end up just blending in with all of the other noise on the interwebs. And going viral and getting seen in that capacity doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily attract clients or customers. And just the other day, I was listening to a woman who owns a marketing agency in the States, United States, answer a question of one of her TikTok followers. And the question was, I have 23,000 followers on TikTok, and I'm making no money. And that just goes to show that the number of followers, the number of views on a video means shit as a business, unless you're building relationships and making sales. And this particular guest, Mark Drager, launched his creative production company, Phantom Media, back in 2006 grew it to a little over 2 million in revenue, and then slowly watched as it crumbled around him. Through the hard lessons learned and working to not make the same mistakes twice, today, Fanta focuses less on keeping the machine fed and more on doing extraordinary work with really cool people. And I can vouch for you that Mark's pitch to be on the show was one of, actually is the most standout pitch I ever received. It was so straightforward. It was so bold. And honestly, I 100% want you to hear not only how to stand out, but he shares so authentically his process as he does with what happened to his company and how it crumbled around him, right? He shares so authentically the process, which I think is so important for perspective, because I think sometimes, most of the time, you can get addicted to the views, to the likes, to the follows, right? And you're putting out content to have these likes and views and viral, all of the things, following the trends, all of that, we get addicted to that. And we need that for validation. When in reality, it's not necessarily that unique expression of who we are, we've now just become something we're not, right? And so I absolutely love that he's more focused on doing extraordinary work with really cool people. So without further ado, please welcome Mark 
to the show. Hey, hey, I am super stoked to have Mark on the show today. He's a fellow Canadian. I love connecting with other Canadians. So it's it's such a pleasure to have you on, Mark. I'd love to just turn it over to you so you can let our listeners know who you are, what you do, and who you help. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. So I am an agency owner, and I feel like that never quite does it. I mean, like so many of us in marketing or in creative industries, we say like, what do you do? I'm an agency owner. But uh, back in 2006, I started a creative agency in Toronto where we focused mainly on video. And uh, I'm not sure if our listeners remember what life was like back in 2006, but video was still shot on tape. Oh my and, gosh. And YouTube wasn't owned by Google and Facebook uh, was just starting to be a thing where you could post photos and it was starting to come to the public. Twitter didn't exist. We used to, anyway. I started a video company <laughs> back before the internet could handle video. Cutting and, edge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and the videos at the time were things like, since 1999, ABC Corporation has been doing blah, 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 blah. And we do that. And it was so it was like corporate video. Uh, but because because I went to film school and because uh, I, I I loved marketing and I started to learn about all these cool things because I was working for an internet marketing franchise and I love business and I love all this stuff. My journey was video was focused on mainly communications with big companies. And then communications became kind of marketing and then marketing became advertising. And as the world changed and as uh, stuff grew, we grew our agency bigger and bigger and bigger. So in simplest terms, I'm a creative, I'm a strategist. I help, uh, you know, small uh, businesses, uh, uh, large international companies, and then, and then personal brands really strategize who they should be, what they should say, how they should show up. And then because I love the, the world of creating, I'm also a host. I host a podcast. I host live events. So like most creatives, I do too many things. I love it. I love it. And it's so true. I, I resonate with that. I do all, all the things I often say. And I know our listeners equally are multi-passionate creatives. So they're, well, they're dabbling think, in things. I yeah. think the real test is, you know, when you go through US Customs and you have to put your occupation there, it's like, what do you list? Like, I, I try to get away with like business owner. I just like make it as generic as possible. But then they always ask, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And my wife, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years now. My wife still doesn't know how to explain to people what I do. So I feel like multidisciplinary, multi-passionate. Let's just own it. Totally. And my husband's the same thing. He's like, I don't really get what you do. And then everyone around me kind of says the same thing. And I'm equally, I, that's why it's interesting. I start this you know, podcasts with like, share with our listeners what you do, because I equally am like, I don't really know how to explain that sometimes because I have this long list of things that I do. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I know our listeners will, will resonate with that for sure. And I'm really excited to dive in because, you know, you talk about helping business owners in various types of businesses really kind of stand out and you're creative and it's all about sort of being different and unique. And I really want to dive into this whole thing about social media and maybe it's not even just social media, maybe it's in offline business as well, but I see it a lot in the online world where there's a lot of emulation or the apps in general really promote kind of the cookie cutter approach to things, right? Like Instagram reels. It's like put a trending song on it and then have a dubbed over voice and everyone's creating sort of the same videos. And so what does it take for business owners to really stand out in this day and age? Well, I'm going to take a step back because, you know, when it comes to the tactical, yeah, you know, social media is like whether, whether reels are popping or you want to be on TikTok or last summer was all about Pinterest and then redirecting people and like all the technical and all the tactical, we can get lost in the weeds. And so many of us focus on that. We go to a conference and they say, you need to be on this platform. And you're like, great. But, you know, as a strategist, you know, that, that people are like off running to do something. And then later they don't know, is it working? Isn't it, or is it working? Is it not working? If it's not working, what should we do? What should we do differently? How do we know? And it's because we all run and we ignore like foundational strategy. And so if we just take a step back, like a really big step back, I often say that when we're starting something, our goal typically is just to be as good as everyone else. 
So, so, you know, let's say that I'm working with, um, or even myself, if I'm, if I'm starting a new venture, a new business, if I'm moving into something new, um, I want to be just as good as company down the street. I want to be just as good as a social media page of the other people that you're following. I want to have a podcast that's just as good as the podcast that people are listening to. Because right now I'm starting and I feel way below them. And so I want to be seen as just as good as everyone, right? And so you spend, and I, I did this, yeah. you spend years working to be just as good. But if you're just as good as the established players, you're not actually giving anyone a reason to pick you, right? Like, like it, it, it's, that's not how it works. The established players with the established audiences or the established credibility, or they know what they're doing, or they have their name out there, they still have the edge. And so we kind of go like, I don't get it. Like, why aren't, my, why are my followers growing? Uh, why aren't more people listening to my content? Why are more people reading my blog? Why are my sales funnels not working? Why, why am I not closing deals? Why is my pitch not working? Because you're trying to be just as good as everyone else. And then what happens is if you survive, and, and most of us have to like, like the real achievers grind through this and we do yeah. survive. It took me like four years to figure this out. Then suddenly you're like, I don't want to be just as good as everyone else. I want to be, I want to be better, right? I want yeah. to be unique. I want to be different. I want, I want people to want to work with me. I don't want to have to like, be, you know, pitch between me and two other people. Like I want it to be so clear that you have to pick me that, that you have no other choice. And so we spend a ton of time trying to be totally different than everyone else. And I've seen this in my kids. You know, my 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 kids are are. I have a 13 year old and a 15 year old, and I have some of you who are younger. But as a teenager, we all just want to just fit in. We just want to be like everyone else. And then you hit your 20s, and you're like, oh, anything but being like everyone else. I want to spend the rest of my life being different. Yeah. So, if we can, why not approach this by trying to leapfrog that that just being like everyone else approach? Like it it takes courage, and I know you speak a lot on courage, but. It takes courage to stand out. It takes courage to be different. It takes, it takes courage and a little bit of risk to do that. But, but why not start the thing by proactively trying to leapfrog that straight to the like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be me. I'm going to make sure that, I, that, I, that I'm bold and I'm thinking really big and I'm doing different things. And, and there are ways and we can get into strategies on how to do that. But but. That takes a tremendous amount of courage and confidence, especially when you're when you see everyone else doing something a certain way, copying each other, and you're like, I'm gonna do something different. But those people who do the different things, those are the people we look up to and we love and we respect and we wanna be more like. So why not us? Why not you? Why not me? Why don't we just decide that on day one, we're gonna approach this next thing by trying to be different? Yeah, I love that. And I love that you share that, like, just the whole process, right, of like trying to be as good as everybody else. But as that established business owner always has that edge on us. And also that it takes like it's that almost the growth process that it takes businesses to sort of get to that, because I know I started in the offline world, spent 15 years in corporate, opened a brick and mortar. And then when I got into the online world, I was like, I'm going to be as good as everybody and I'm going to put out the content and do the thing. And then finally, two years in, I was like, this is boring <laughs> because this isn't me. This isn't yeah. like, I, I am bold. I do say things in a really direct, sometimes sarcastic way, you know, and my personality wasn't shining through. And so I love that you say, you know, it like took you four years to get to this certain point, but also that like most people either drop off because it's not really working and they're really struggling, or there's the people that like you and I that just grind through those really um, tough stages in business where we're kind of trying to find our way. So how do people, like, it does take courage to be yourself. And as you said, you know, as kids, all we want to do is fit in. And mm -hmm. then we get to a certain point where we don't necessarily want to, but we've been conditioned to like, just fly under the radar or fit in. So how do people start from day one going like, I'm just going to be different? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's honestly, they, they say the most courageous thing you can be is yourself. It's yeah. really hard. You know, I, I have my own podcast, We Do Hard Things, and I'm constantly looking at like, you know, audience data and all of this stuff. And the types of conversations I want to have with the types of people I want to have, frankly, no one else is, is doing it the way I want to do it with the people I want to do it. 
And I don't know if an audience wants it, right? Like that's the scary thing. The scary things is if I looked at the, the competition who are well-established, well ahead of me, 10 years ahead of me, million people, audiences, whatnot, I could say, well, should I just do what they're doing in a slightly better way to try and steal their audience? Like, like a newer version of what everyone already is used to and wants? Well, that doesn't feel true to me. I, I, I want to do my thing, my way. But the fear is like, what if no one wants this, yeah. frankly, right? <laughs> like, like, what if no one wants it? And what if no one's ready for it? And what if, and what if, what if? But, but, but we have to be a bit pragmatic about this. And this is where pragmatism really comes in. It's like, you have to take a, again, take a step back and remove the emotion from it and say, well, like, is it better to try and be a slightly better version of the things everyone already wants? You know, or is it, or, and then grind away at it and spend all that time and spend all that money to make small incremental improvements? Or is it better to very quickly take that big swing, do that different thing, get the data back to say, yes, I believe it's working. Those small little things, believe in yourself, make it happen. Or you know it, or you know there is no audience and no one does want it. No one's willing to pay for it and you're charging too much. Like, isn't it better to learn that in six months, nine months, a year, taking the big swing than it is to spend four or five years trying to eke away at something? Like, so that's the way that I look at this. That's where I continually, when I'm feeling emotionally uncertain, I yeah. go back to the like, let's be really pragmatic and rational about this. I would rather take the swing, do my thing, learn what I'm going to learn, explore new areas, stand out, be different, even if it doesn't work, because then I free up my mind, my creative energy, my capacity for the next swing and the next swing and the next swing. So to answer your question, though, um, you know, I, I have a process that we've that we've developed over the last 10, 12 years that yeah. we've applied to big national campaigns. You know, you're Canadian, I'm Canadian. So like Sunwing, yeah. for example, was amazing. We, you know, we produced national television commercials or campaigns for Sunwing and we worked with the Toronto Raptors and we've done all of this stuff. And what I noticed was like, whether we were doing a small training video or helping launch a startup brand or working with a big international company, it was like we were always following the same steps. And so we've I've kind of tailored this approach now for um, specifically for speakers and entrepreneurs, coaches and consultants, people who have personal brands, but but it follows the same logic. It takes a few minutes to get into it. Like, do you want to do you want to dig into it? Or? I do want to dig into it because I think this will really help the people. That was probably going to be my next question: is like, how do you actually go about then doing that? Do you have a process and steps that you can share with people? Yeah, yeah. So 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 I call it the core three process because yeah. every brand, in my opinion, is built on core on on three core elements. There's three players. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a lot of Navy SEALs and they always say like the enemy has a vote in how the war goes, right? Like it's not just like you making a plan showing up. In business the co competition has a vote. The the audience or the customers have a vote and you have a vote. Those are your three core elements. You, who you are, what your vision is, what your goals are, who you want to become who you want to help, the reasons you want to help them, all of your past experiences, your voice, your, your, your point of view, your perspective, how quickly you want to move, all of those things make you the first core element. And I don't know about you, but as I mentioned, I've worked with, hundred, well, I've worked with, on, with hundreds of different yeah. organizations on thousands of different projects, and they never really know what they want. <laughs> Yeah, right? I 100% like, agree with that. <laughs> right. And if I asked you what you wanted, you'd be like, well, kind of uh, like if people ask me what I want, it's like so fuzzy. It's like yeah. I kind of have a sense and I kind of have a feeling and, and I think this is good, but how do I know if it's good? And so, so the first step of the process is to really follow these three key points. You want to be able to discover as much about you as possible. And this can take a few days, it can take a few weeks, it can take a few months. You might land on it, it might change, but you want to discover as much as possible as all of those things that I quickly listed off, you know, again, experiences and perspectives and, and all of those things. Why you're doing what you're doing, what fires you up, what lights you up, who do you want to help, all of those things. So discover everything. Distill them to the things that matter for this venture. Because I could have 
parts of myself or my hobby or what have you that that don't matter for this specific project, this specific venture, this specific thing. So you want to distill that. And then you want to define in words the words you're going to use. Like, like what is your voice? What is your vision? What are your goals? Like you want to define that. And once you know all of those things, we have the first core element done. You have you. And the reason why I say this is important because I've, I've spoken to people who go like, I'm just going to be me, you know, yeah. <laughs> like me or hate me. I'm going to be me. And, and if you like me, you're going to follow me. And if you hate me, go F yourself or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I always, I always ask people with that point of view this. Let's say that you're going to go to a wedding. You're all dressed up. You're in the church. You're looking at your grandparents. You're looking at the bride. You're looking at all these people. Are you going to show up as you're going to be you, but you're going to show up as a certain version of you? Now, let's flash forward five days earlier, and it's like, you know, the stag night or the, the you know, the, the bachelorette party or something. You're, you're still showing up as you, but it's probably a different version of you than the one on the Saturday morning at the church, right? You know, like, uh, like if this was a Hollywood movie, uh, you know, people would be doing blow off of like strippers' <laughs> stomachs and yeah. stuff, right? Like, we know people don't usually do that, but and and then you're not going to be showing up to the church with your grandparents swearing left, right, and center, right? Like, still you, different versions of you. Yeah. And so so we have now just discovered all the things that make us us, and we've been able to distill down the things that matter for this project, venture, what have you. And then we've defined what, what, what version of us needs to show up. But the next core element is the customer, the audience, the prospect, what have you. I mean, they have a say in it, right? Totally. And so uh, I love to use this example. Like, again, we all think fuzzy thinking. Who do you want to help? I was working with a, a client who wanted to target, um, wanted to talk about mothers. And I go, cool. But motherhood is a rich tapestry of different people in, in different ways. So, so let's just take motherhood. And this is, again, off the top of my head. If you are um, an unmarried teenage mother, how is that different than if you are a second, third, fourth time mother in your 30s versus a single mother versus uh, a first time mother in your 40s who's a working mom who wants to get back to work? versus uh, high income or low income versus um, maybe the type of mother who, who feels that guilt and, and shame because she feels detached from her child versus the one who just felt like her whole life she was waiting to be a mother. Like, think about all these different types of mothers. Yeah. And so often people go like, well, the, the person making the purchasing decision in the household is the female from 30 to 40 years old. Cool. <laughs> but, but like, there are so many different versions of us. And so people go like, this is where your personas come into account. And if we had Mary mother and we had, you know, Fred father and we had, you know, Sally sister, it's like they're, they're not real people. They're just these weird averages of data and stuff that we, again, let's be pragmatic. We take a lot of comfort in. We're yeah. like, we, we figured it out and we did it and it's working. And then it's like, but it's not working because we're not being specific enough. So. What you want to do is you want to is you want to really again take all the stuff that you define for your goals and you want to only look at the people, the types of people or the audiences that actually matter for you achieving that goal. Like let's be really specific. Yeah. Really really specific. And then what you want to do is you want to know everything you can about these people. So you're going to find out like uh like who not only who are they and what their age is and and what have you. But then you want to find out like what type of content do they love? And you're going to go to that content. And you're going to go to the comment section and you're going to start reading the comments and you're going to start looking for things that people say. You're going to go to Reddit and you're going to start reading Reddit. You're going to go to the Atlantic you know, or, or Vox or whatever. And you're going to start looking up articles on what editorial stuff is happening. And you know, we had a client who had, had a, um, a, a detangling hairbrush. Now, I'm wearing a hat right now, but if you if yeah. you could see me, you'd you'd know that I'm bald. So what does like you know a a 39 year old white bald dude know about being able to talk to women about detangling hairbrushes? But 
we followed these same steps. And we yeah. discovered that, you know, within certain communities, within African American communities, what does what what is the value of hair culturally within their community? And how has Oprah Winfrey's hairstylist created this 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 level of frizziness versus versus curly hair spectrum. So if you're a 4A versus a 4B versus a 5, what does that mean? And how long on average do women spend on their hair? And like, we could find out all this stuff. Totally. And so what you want to do is you want to you only focus on one audience. Yes. The primary audience, right? Because the goal is to, is to make sure you show up looking the right way, saying the right things. And so you want to learn everything you can about your audience. And I just gave you, I mean, I, we have advanced tools that we've, that we've invested like six figures in that gives us some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Because you know, we're tracking 250 million Americans on a billion devices with a trillion data touch points. But I gave you a whole bunch of ways you could do this without spending a single dollar. Yeah. So learn everything you can about your audience. So now we have two elements, two core elements, you and your audience. The third is the market or the competition. And we don't want to, again, try to be just as good as everyone else. We want to stand out. Yeah. So what is your competition doing? And you can, you can use like these Intel tools, these spy tools and things like that. But let's, let's get really basic. Like go to their website and then wait to see if on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube or whatnot, you get remarketing ads. If you get remarketing ads, what are their messages? What are their colors? What do they look like? Does it look like they spent a lot of money on design or not? Go to their YouTube channel, see if they have a podcast, like just see what they're doing and what they're investing money in. And a great hack is if they are advertising on Facebook, go to Facebook, go down to page transparency on their page, click on trade page transparency because everybody on Facebook, you have to be able to show which ads they're showing. And then you can look at their ads and you can look at how long they've been running those ads. And if they've been running those ads for months and months and months, and you see this wall of ads and it's all the same message or the same look or the same feel, and they're doing the same thing for months and months and months, it must be working. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spending all this money on it. Yeah. <laughs> so like this is, again, this isn't hard, but what you're going to want to do is just to, you know, you're going to sign up for their email newsletters. You're just going to collect all of this stuff. Because, because we want to discover, and then we want to distill what matters to us, and then we want to define the core elements that matter. And so we now have three things. We know what we want. Yeah, That's where most people don't even start and end. We know what our audience wants. Cool. That defines how we need to show up. But the third thing with our competition is we can either look to see if we can beat them at their own game, and if we can't, if we can't outspend, if we can't go back in time 10 years, if we can't steal their audience, then we need to be different. And once you have, if you imagined a Venn diagram of three circles, the you, the customer, and the, and the, and the, and the competitors, where those three circles overlap, that is what makes you unique. Because it's true to you. It's what your audience wants. It's what your competition isn't doing. And now you can develop positioning or copy or a look or feel or a logo or photography or sales pages or uh, your new book or your keynote presentation or your pitch or your podcast or whatever, you can create something that just reveals itself to you as like, oh, this is what I need to do. Okay, cool. And then you try it and then you test and then you see how it's working and all of that stuff. But that is the core three process that we have used like frankly, I haven't done I haven't done the math, but I know that you know we've we've done like thirteen million dollars in creative content. Amazing, and I can tell you that we keep using this process over and over and over and over again. And so I don't know at what point in like kind of our revenue journey we like really honed in on it, but we yeah. have used this process to produce millions and millions of dollars of content for the biggest and the smallest of brands. And so I can just tell you it works. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you, you know, cause I know that the people that listen to this podcast, um, range, right. They can be big, big businesses or small. And so I love that you, you touched on that, that it does work. Um, do you feel like people just don't spend the time 
to actually really do this work? Because I feel like when you share this, I'm like, this is brilliant and absolutely love it. And, you know, I've, I worked in agencies prior to starting my online business. And so I so get this whole piece of it. And I, and I wonder, um, do people just not spend the time to really get to the nitty gritty of it? Are they too quick to want to jump to the next thing? Yes, 100%. But I would (laughs) honestly say that two people are too quick to want things to work without trying hard enough. Yeah. You know, I I have a friend, Philip Stutz, who who has in his book, and I know John Asaraf says this, and a lot of people say this, but the idea is, are you interested or committed? Yes. And if you're interested in growing your business or launching a podcast or starting something or whatever, if you're interested, then then you're kind of just going to kind of flirt with it. Yeah. And you're going to hit the point. This is me. A lot of times I am interested in a lot of things. I have ADHD. I'm creative. As I mentioned, like I'm interested in, and then, but you hit the point where you feel like you're always flirting with greatness, but you're never, you're never capturing it. You're never like, you're never, it's never paying off. You're bouncing from thing to thing, to thing, to thing. And so not only do most people ignore how important this is, um, but most people are kind of just okay with mediocrity. You know, yeah. if, if you go to my Instagram account, considering that, that I have 15 years and I own a multi-million dollar agency, all this, like my Instagram account is embarrassing. It's embarrassingly <laughs> bad. And, uh, and it's because I, had, I did not choose to invest the team or the structure it takes for me to hit the level I want to hit. And I'm kind of inconsistent on the social side. And so I've never received results. So I have two options, right? Like I can go like, how come I've been putting, you know, over two and a half years, I only have 2,600 subscribers on Instagram or followers on Instagram and I should have more and blah, blah, blah. Or I can go like, well, what would it take? And so, you know, we've been, I've just onboarded three new full-time members. Like I have five full-time team members who are working on my content and social, which to me seems kind of bananas. Yeah. But I also know I've spent two and a half years kind of mucking about without really any real results. And so in January, when I sat down with my, with my uh, COO, I said, listen, like, like if we need this to make this work, if we need to be present and to have great content and great quality and hit and inconsistency, <laughs> you got to stop waiting for me. That's never yeah. going to happen. So we come back to that pragmatic approach of like, well, I want outcome. I need to make investment. I need to have people and systems and teams and processes. And I hate all of that stuff. I hate, like, I hate all of that building it and meeting after meeting of like how it should work. And then here's the steps. And it just seems so complicated. And it's like, but, you know, I, I am committed to this. So, so really those who are committed, you have two options. You don't have to do what I said. Then you have to learn through testing. Right? Yeah. Make, 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 make. Always be making content. Always be releasing content. Always looking at your KPIs and tweaking things. And you will, you will find all of the stuff that I just lent, mentioned through testing and looking at what works. Or you can, but if you don't want to spend all of that time and all of that money kind of making mistakes in front of people or putting money into advertising that doesn't work or analyzing or what have you, then you come and work with me or with you or with people who are strategists to help you do that foundational strategy. Most people aren't willing to be on either end of that pole. Like they're yeah. not committed enough to, to, to create, test, and see what works, the Gary V approach. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not sure that they want to spend, you know, the money or the time it takes to work with someone like me or you or what have you or the other approach. They would rather just stay in the middle and then kind of bitch and moan when nothing pays off. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting because um you touched on again, like some really great things of like, just even owning the fact that, you know, you, you had like the, the systems and the processes and all that is like the stuff that you like the shit you just don't even like, but you know, that it's the things you need in order to start to see the outcome. Because again, I know so many creatives are following this, uh, multi-passionates people that are just like, I just want to show up and do what I do. And I just don't want to have to worry about all of the other backend stuff, but it does require consistency. And maybe you're not the one being consistent. You have a team being consistent for you, um, which is huge, right? Because it's like, 
yeah, we, as entrepreneurs and creatives, we just want to do the things that we love to do. And then you add in all the other stuff about running a business and all of that. And it's like, what? I didn't sign up for this. Um, so, but yeah. And and the interesting part of it is like, it's, is it interesting? Are you actually really, truly committing to committed to making it work? And that, like you said, two years mucking around, I know I've spent lots of time just mucking around on stuff. Um, but I know I'm equally committed to making it happen and, and do and doing the work. So you talked about the you piece, you know, that piece of the thing that like people don't even really maybe even start with or want or whatever. So, and I know a lot of my clients will say to me, they often say, well, I think this is what's going to work for my audience. Or I see that nobody else is really doing this. And I'm like, but is this the thing you want to do? Like, is this actually what you want? Or are you just doing it to make money? Right. So how do you get to that core of like, this is the thing I'm really passionate about. So there's nothing wrong with doing something just to make money. If, yeah. if we're all, if we're all honest about it. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned the kind of the 13 million in content that we've created. Yeah. Millions and millions of, of dollars of that is stuff that no one wants to watch. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and I, if I sit down with a big corporate client and I say, Hey, are we doing this project because we want the audience to watch this, love this, engage with it? Or are we doing this because we need SVP of whatever to see that we're doing something and go like, check, we did our job. Because yeah. I'm okay with either one, but, but let's, let's just be honest. Like, don't give me the most corporate, structured, boring, worst environment possible, but then somehow expect the most engaging, amazing, <laughs> awesome thing. Like, let's call a spade a spade. If we're doing this to check a box, yeah. I'm cool with that. That's fine. So, so like, let's, let's be clear. If a client comes to you and says, you know, I will, or if even yourself, you're like, listen, I like, like I'm, I'm running out of runway. I need to inject some cash into this business. I need to do X, Y, Z to do it. Awesome. I mean, there's, there's literally nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's when we try to, to make something, do something we don't like, this is never going to work too many customers or is there too many target audiences for a message trying to have one thing do all of these different objectives, um, try to, you know, I got to make money, I got to make money, I got to make money, um, and not having any passion or soul into it if you're trying to make money off of you. Yeah. Right? So like, if you approach business, I have a friend who approaches business so totally different than me. Yeah. He is an M&A guy. He's in mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. And so he like looks at the balance sheet and he looks at the leadership structure and he looks at the processes and he looks at the people and he looks at the at at you know the the cost cost of acquisition for lead gen and what he could do to fix it and who's the sales team and what are they converting. And that business doesn't need a leader with passion. Yeah. Because <laughs> because they have all the people, the systems, the processes, the brand, they have everything else and and that's cool. They make yeah. money. I don't know if Coca-Cola needs you know, the CEO to be like crazy passionate about like finding their, their passion. Like they just, they need to really love business. Yeah. So, but if you are the type of, of entrepreneur or person like me, or maybe like you where, where we are owner operators or we're in it, or it's like an expression of who we are, what we stand for, who we're hoping to help the impact we're looking to make. Well then, yeah, it, it, it better be true to you. And I wish that I had an answer where I could say like, it's A, B, and C, but it's in fact more like therapy, yeah. which is this discovery process, you know? Like I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram. Have you ever heard of the Enneagram? I love it. Yeah. So I got into the Enneagram like 10 years ago when there, yeah. none of the books were written, but you know, and I, I love Suzanne Stabil and I love Ian Cohn and they wrote The Road Back to You and all this stuff. And I got real, I'm like really got into it, but I... I got into it when there was only a textbook and I'm like reading this textbook, but, but the Enneagram, uh, does, do all of our listeners know who the Enneagram is? I'm sure. Is? Well, they, I'm sure they do. I talk about human design a lot. I talk uh, about, okay, yeah. Great. So they, I'm sure. And if they don't, they do now, but yes. Perfect. So the <laughs> yeah. Enneagram is a personality profile that's based off of the, the idea that there's nine different, uh, profiles, uh, each with a, with an ingrained fear. And because we have a different fear, we're going to do different things. We're going to move in different ways. We're going to ha- take different actions. We're going to think in different ways and react in different ways because we have an ingrained fear. I'd be interested what your Enneagram number is. But yeah, um, the reason I bring it up is if you did a Myers-Briggs at work or a DISC profile at work, they are, um, 
you know, there, there's all, all kinds of issues with these personality profiles, but, but, yeah. but you can do the profile and I can be identified as an INTP, which is what I am. And, and it's pretty accurate. Like, like I am an INTP. We yeah. can argue whether that matters or not, but it's accurate. Yeah. The Enneagram has something like a 60 to 70% fail rate on the online tests because it's not the type of thing that you can just take 20 minutes and do a test and go like, yeah. oh, I'm a three with a two wing or I'm an eight with a, with a, with a seven wing. Like, because it's, it's based off on motivation yeah. it's based on internal fears and the stories. And it's the type of thing where these tests or these books will help you figure out kind of directionally where you are. But, but often, you know, a, a one, you know, a, a one and an eight might be confused for one another because both of them are in the anger triad um, and both of them might be go, 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 go. And from the outside, they look the same, but they have very different motivations. You know, the one, the perfectionist just wants to make sure they're doing things the right way. And the eight, you know, the, the commander just wants to like blast through everything and make it happen. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so, so it's like that finding your purpose and your mission and the part of your brand and this is part of the reason why our process takes 12 weeks. Yeah. It's not because we couldn't move through it faster. It's because if I didn't give people um, specific, like uh, uh, I was going to say challenges, but exercises and yeah. then allow for reflection and exercise and reflection and exercise and reflection. If we didn't do this, we would be building an entire brand or an entire approach or an entire strategy on like, like what they felt like that day. <laughs> Yeah, in the moment. Um, and again, I love that you say, I can't give you this step by step. I'm glad you said that because I often say that to my clients when they ask me, like, you know, how do I get to my purpose? Or how do I really know what my passion is? Or how do I know? And I'm always like, I can't, I can't do that for you. You have to do the work for yourself. And the reflection piece is huge, giving yourself the space to actually reflect. I'm a seven. In the Enneagram. Ah, there you go. I could have, I could have guessed seven with a yeah. wing or six wing. I don't know. I have to go back and look because I've gone such down the rabbit hole with human design and gene keys lately yeah. that I'm so into that right now. But uh, I'm a, I'll have to go back and look and let you know. But I'm a, I am a seven. It's funny. I was on another podcast with a woman and she's like, "You're a seven. I, I guarantee you." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, you know that. What's it's, yours?" <laughs> I, I'm a six with a five wing. I am okay. like, um, so that's the loyalist. That's, um, you know. I, and this is this is the problem with these personality profiles. Um, I'm a huge fan of the author Benjamin Hardy, who wrote yeah. Personalities Impermanent and Who Not How, and um, and he has a new book coming out. And I, I had him on my podcast. But part of what what I we all want is we want we want the personality profile to be like this is me, yeah. Then, <laughs> and it's like great; it gives you understanding. But then we also go like, well, you know, I I couldn't I couldn't possibly go do this because I'm a I'm in whatever I'm a I'm a three. Yeah. You don't understand. Being a three is so hard because I have to show up and, and I'm an, you know, I'm an achiever and um, I, you know, I, I live in the shame triad. Like you, like, so we wrap our victimhood in it. And so, so what I know is like, I'm an INTP, which yeah. means I'm introverted, which means um, I'm, I'm process driven. Uh, I connect all these dots. I live way up in the clouds. I'm a six with a five wing. So it's like, like I'm, I, Never quite sure if if every time I come to a definitive answer, I play devil's advocate and I challenge my own thinking and I talk myself out of things. I'm never sure of anything. I'm living in constant fear. I have GAD, <laughs> which is anxiety. I have generalized anxiety disorder. So like, uh, and I'm a five wing, which means I'm always energy focused. And I'm like, oh, I'm just so tired. And it's like, I I have been told by people, they're like, Mark, it's amazing that you are even an entrepreneur. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever met anyone with your things who is an entrepreneur. So this is why it's like the benefit of knowing who you are is like, great. Now, how can I change and how can I be better? And how can I not let these, these stories hold me back? But at the same time, it's just like, dang, I wish it wasn't so hard. Like, like yeah. sometimes I just wish I was an eight, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like I wouldn't be as vulnerable. Everyone loves me for my vulnerability and how open I am because I'm yeah. a six and and my wife marvels at the fact that like i can i can like read the room and like bring people together because i just want us all to get along yeah um, but yeah what's your husband if you're a 7 he must be like i a don't 3 or a 1 it's interesting because he's an electrical engineer so he, these tests oh, for him <laughs> i know these tests for him every time i'm like 
I plugged in his human design uh, and we're both manifesting generators, but it's interesting because anytime I do these tests, like even the Myers-Briggs, he's like, I'm going to try and hack it. I'm just going to try and get different answers every time. I'm like, of course you are because you're an he's engineer. An INTJ then. Probably. Oh, 100%. Like he's is a he, computer is he brain. Insensitive? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. No, uh, I wouldn't say that he is, but I also think he like, can really shut off the emotion. Like I, I, yes, he probably is like, he can very much, he's like, why do you care about that so much? And I'm like, cause it's, I'm so emotional. Cause I am an, uh, depending when I take the test, I'm an I N F P or an E N F P depending when I take the test, I can get, I'm like a 50, yeah. 50 yeah. split on that. But so he's always like, why do you take it so personally? I'm like, because I, yeah. it's emotional. He sounds like, a, he sounds like an INTJ. <laughs> and he has a computer brain. So I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I'm sure he is. But, and he's also like, I'm not, I'm not taking these. These, these don't work. Like I can hack it and stuff like that. So yeah. Which means he's either a five or probably an eight. Cause, cause eights move to five, right? Like eight okay. to five in, in, in times yeah. of, in times of stress. Um, and, or he might be a five cause fives move to eight. And so there, this is again, where it's like, it's hard to class someone else or what have you, or even take these yeah. tests. Cause because there's a lot of overlap. And, and at the end of the day, we're all people. We all experience totally. the whole range of emotions and we all share those range of emotions. But yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and, and that's true in, in, in saying that, like, you can take these and it can be a tendency for us to look at, like, what we can't do because of them. And I know human design, like, they often say, like, it's not about putting you in a box. This is not about you put, being in a box. It's about taking what it is and then you could do whatever you want. Right. So it's like, you know, yeah. people said to you, like, I can't believe you're an entrepreneur, but it's like, well, I'm not going to let this test or this result limit what I do, but it's a nice reflection of what I could, you know, who I am and what I am at the core. Yeah. Yeah. You've touched on two things that are kind of core to me, my thinking, my philosophy, yeah. but, but also what I bring to all my work. Um, you know, the, the greatest question you can ask yourself all day, every day, forever is what do you want? Yeah. Because once you know what you want, you have clarity because, because anything else that takes you away from what you want is, is frankly, it's a distraction. It's going to yeah. hold you back. It's, it's, it's not helping you. Um, so what do you want? And then the next question that I, that I love to ask is who do you need to be? Right? Like who yeah. do you need to be to get what you want? And if we're talking about brand, if we're talking about entrepreneurship, if we're talking about health, if we're talking about relationships, you know, like I want to be an amazing dad. So, so what do I want? I want to be an amazing dad. Who do I need to be to be an amazing dad for my kids? Yeah. You know, like what do they need? How do I need to show up? What do I need to say? What do I need to bring? And often again, we bump into like, it shouldn't be this hard. Um, it, it, like it shouldn't, my, my wife is a, my wife is a coach, uh, uh, like a, a coach at, at Orange Theory Fitness. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it's a Sunday morning at 7 a.m. and she's coaching a class, you better believe not only is the class not full, but people aren't really bringing the energy. <laughs> yeah. And she'll go like, she'll go like, I'm just not getting the energy from the group. I go, who do you need to be? Like, it's your job to bring the energy. It's your job to create the environment. It's your job to fire people up. If you're a speaker and you're walking on stage, and it's crickets and you're like, ah, you know, the audience just, or you're a comedian and you walk out there and you're like, oh, the audience, you know, they just weren't engaged or you're a podcaster and your guest isn't like clicking with you. You can like, it's so easy for us, to, for my wife to blame the members, for the comedian to blame the audience, for me to say like, why did you book this, this guest? Like, they're just not giving me the energy. No, 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 no. Who do we need to be? Right. Yeah. Like, it's our job to bring it. And it's our job to act a certain way or say a certain thing. And again, this is when it comes back to like, like it still needs to be authentically you. Otherwise you'll find yourself constantly ping-ponging between who you think you need to be for others. And we fall into that trap all the time. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know what you want. And then I want you to ask, who do I need to be to get that? And, and, and again, there's this, there's, there's this, scale uh spectrum people will say well you know on the extreme oh you're gonna do this for everyone it's like no nah, like like let's not play that game let's just be real and say like what version of me needs to show up and who do i need to be 
how do I make that happen? Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful because I hear that so often is like, it shouldn't be this hard or I'm putting out this stuff and people aren't engaging and people aren't interacting and people aren't this and people aren't that. And it's so easy to look outside of ourselves and blame that outside result or lack of result and, and be upset with the audience or be, and not want to show up. But at the end of the day, it boils down to us as personal brands. Like who, who do we need to be? Who do we need to be in order to get the engagement from our audience or have those two-way conversations with them, right? At the end of the day, they're just people on the other end of the screen or whatever, right? And it's like, we're sitting in our house pissed off that no one's talking to us or whatever. It's like, well, why? What energy are we bringing that's having that result, right? Yeah. You know, when I get intimidated by people, because I get to speak to some pretty big and pretty cool people. Yeah. um, You know, the old line, like, we all put our pants on one leg at a time or whatever. Like, I, for me, what I use is like, unless if you're like, the president, what I think of is like, we all got to stop for red lights. Yeah. Like, like you can, you can, you can be really important and maybe you have a driver sure, whatever. But, but at the end of the day, you're still sitting there at a red light waiting to make your left turn, no matter how big you are, no matter how fancy you are, no matter how much money you make. And you're just sitting there waiting like everyone else, you know, like there are certain things where I just like, uh, you know, if I walked into a, a a barbecue, a backyard barbecue, let's say that was happening, and um, there's 30 or 40 people there, and I walk in with my family and my kids, and I'm getting introduced to people, I might see someone, you know, let's say this like uh, amazing, you know, all put together middle aged woman. I see her, and I'm talking to her, and it's like, oh, cool, it's this is Linda, and hey, Linda, how's it going? And blah, 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 and how's your kids? And, blah, and then later, uh, this has happened to me before. Later, you're yeah. like, you're the CEO of what? <laughs> You know, or I was at an event. I was at a Tony Robbins event with my friend, Evan Carmichael. We're sitting in the front row, not because of me, because Evan knows them. And I'm doing this acting exercise where where we're supposed to do three rounds with a partner of getting increasingly angry with them. Oh my God. And so this person is like, starting off by being like, I am so angry with you. And then Tony Robbins goes, bring it up kind of thing. And then he brings it up and he brings it. And finally, by the last stage, it's like this, his eyes are seething and he's spitting fire and he's inches from me. And I'm feeling so incredibly (laughs) uncomfortable. And then Tony Robbins is like, great. And then the guy just like drops the mask and he's like, so man, how's it going? I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. And then, and so I'm doing these exercises. Well, guess what? I find out that he's an actor. He has a Netflix series. He works with Spike Jones. Like, like he has a million plus followers. And like, oh my like, god, this guy's a big deal. And it's like, yeah, I didn't know. I'm working with this with this kind of crazy looking dude with red hair who's kind of smaller or whatever. And we're working through these person, and I find out it's Sean White. Oh my the god, Olympic, the Olympic snowboarder. Like, yeah. And I'm busy telling him about my childhood fears. And it's like, so, <laughs> so I've been in these situations where it's like, I didn't even know you were that important. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that people love you this much. So when I meet people that I do love or I'm geeking or fanning out on, I just try to get back to that stage of like, they have to wait at a red light. If I didn't know that they were important, they would just act totally cool and chill anyway. And for me, I try to bring that version of me to, to things as well. Yeah, which is so, you know, that, 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 that authentic self, right? You're just showing up as you. Doesn't matter who's in the room, whether it's the president of the United States or it's Sean White or Tony Robbins. It's like I'm showing up exactly as I am, or I'm in a backyard barbecue talking to somebody that we're meeting for the first time. And yeah, yeah. I yeah. met Tony Robbins because I, I was able to do like these like press photo things where we all yeah. wait in line and we get like 30 seconds with him. Yeah, and any and, and the the person whispers in his ear, and they're just like, because they would they would say who they are. They're like for my friend Evan Carmichael. This is Evan Carmichael. You've worked with him to, before. He has three point four million followers on YouTube, and it's like, oh Evan, yeah, how's it going? Right, and then they whisper in his ear, like, this is the guy who came with Evan Carmichael, <laughs> and and I'm just like, and and I'm like, hey Tony, and he's like big guy, like shaking yeah. my hand. I was like, listen man, um, I'm cool. I love you. I I, I just love this event. It's amazing. And he's like trying to like make small talk. And I'm like, listen, man, you don't have to do that. That's cool. Like you got a big lineup behind you. Yeah, I get it. Uh, anyway, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. I love that they're whispering in his ear, but yeah, like how's he supposed to like, yeah, he's not remembering who everybody is and all of that. So yeah. yeah. 
So amazing. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on. I know our audience is going to love this. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, just figure out what you want. Like life yeah. would be so much easier uh, if you could just at the same Tony Robbins event, I was working with someone and, and it was a clarity moment for me. He was like, Mark, you don't know what you want. No, no, I, I, I do. It's just, and it, he's like, you don't know what you want, man. And then when yeah. he said that, I realized like in, in my business with my team, hiring next steps, who I need to be, all of, I realized I keep bumping into again, into that like, oh, maybe I'm not so great at goal setting. Maybe I'm not so great at clarifying the specifics of what I want. And I've learned that the more I practice this and the more I do it, the easier everything becomes because we don't have enough time to do everything. We don't have enough budget to do everything. But as soon as you define what you want, you can stop wasting time and you can let go of the emotional shame and guilt and baggage of like, you know, if I want to be a really great dad and a really fantastic husband, and that's what I want, I can't be working 90 hours a week. Totally. I just can't. And so it's like, well, yeah, but I want that. And I also want to make $20 million. Okay. That doesn't sound like it's achievable. <laughs> like, or if <laughs> yeah. it is, how are you going to do it? And who do you need yeah. to be? And how do you need to think? So, so the last thing I'll just always leave people with is like, what do you want is the most important question you can ask yourself. Yeah. And that's going to be the path to ultimately achieving it. And can you look at the you know, the 20 million, what does it need to take? Do I need to work the 90 hours? Cause I'm not going to be able to be a good husband or father or what wife or whatever. Um, so brilliant. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Head over to IG. Uh, my handle is at Mark Drager. That's D R A G E R. Uh, you can DM me. I don't have a bot. I, I don't have a VA. It is me. You can DM me. If you want to check out the podcast, we do hard things. Uh, you can head over to YouTube or any of your podcast uh, areas. Uh, and if you want to check out the agency, it's Fanta.com. That's P-H-A-N-T-A.com. Brilliant. And we will link all of those up in the show notes so you guys can just click on those. Again, it's been such a pleasure to have you on, Mark. I know they're going to love this one. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. That was such a fun episode. And I'm just so grateful that Mark shared so much value, not only from a practical marketing perspective, like the steps to go through in order to show up and be authentic and create that authentic brand, but also the reality of the process and what it's like as a human to be going through this process, especially because we have been conditioned to fit in. We've been conditioned to not rock the boat. We've been conditioned to, you know, not speak out and, you know, have this polarizing views, right? To fly under the radar and all of those sorts of things. And so just to share and shed light on like the process and what to expect as you're going through it. Because again, I think we get addicted to overnight success and instant gratification and this process of evolving and showing up more and more as ourselves takes time. And I think it's a constant thing that we go through, right? The more comfortable we get, the more we flex our muscles of who we truly are. And our perspectives change truly as we evolve and as we grow. So something that we believed in or said two years ago might not be how we believe now or how we want to show up. So such an amazing episode. And if you want to connect with them, you certainly can do that. The links are around this show notes here so you can uh, reach out to him. Now on to episode number 63. We have Hope on the show and I'm really excited to have her on. We're diving into how to cultivate that inner success from the inside out. And I think this really goes hand in hand with this particular episode, but also really all the episodes and all the guests that I have on is like really how to be that unique expression of who you are and have that reflected out in your business. If you're a business owner and you are building based on somebody else's definition of success, six figure business, million dollar business, you know, hundreds of clients, whatever it is, even the down to the business model, right? Like if you don't want to do group coaching and you're doing it because somebody told you you need to do it, but you'd rather be doing one-to-one or you don't want a brick and mortar, you'd rather have online, but you know, brick and mortar is where you're at and, and that's the successful business you have or whatever it is, right? 
we get, again, get so distracted with what's happening out in the world. We get that shiny object. Oh, that person has a six figure business and it looks like it's amazing. And it looks like they have their life all together. And as you heard from Mark, right, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that you might not necessarily even know. But two, you know, we're all going through this process, and we don't have it all figured out. And anybody that tells you they have it all figured out is like, run for the freaking hills, because nobody has it all figured out, no matter what stage of business you're at, if you're at just starting out, or you're at that six figure mark, or you're scaling to seven figures, or you're in seven figures, doesn't matter. Every single business owner goes through periods where they're questioning what they're doing. Is this what they really want to be doing anymore? They've built this successful business. And now they want to maybe pivot like we are always as entrepreneurs, we're it's in our DNA to evolve and grow. And so I absolutely love our next guest hope because she's going to be talking about how to cultivate success from the inside out. So really having success defined based on your values, what you want, regardless of what society tells you success is. So be sure to tune into that episode when it drops next week and subscribe to the show so you don't miss it. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right back here next time. You can also find us on social media at Creatively Owned and online at creativelyowned.com. Until next time, keep showing up as your authentic self.